Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition. A delicious range of sumptuously smooth dark chocolate. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. On today's episode, Yuni Hong is a Korean American journalist and author of three books, including The Birth of Korean Cool, an intimate guide to how Korea has grown to be one of the most influential and zeitgeisty countries in the world. Her latest book is called The Power of Nunchi, The Korean Secret to Happiness and Success. Nunchi is a guiding principle of Korean life, considered essential for survival, happiness and success. Also known as the Korean superpower, Nunchi is the art of reading a room, understanding what people are thinking, feeling and needing in that moment and using that information to get what you want from any given situation. Roughly translating as self-awareness or emotional intelligence, Yuni Hong says that anyone can be more successful in work, love and life by refining their Nunchi. I am fascinated by this and I spoke to Uni about what Nunchi is and how we can all use it. I'm very looking forward to talking to Uni Hong about the art of Nunchi, which is basically the guiding principle of Korean life, but anyone can use it. It's the art of reading a room, relating to others and using that awareness to get ahead. What I find really interesting about it is that Korean parents believe teaching their children nunchi is as important as teaching them to cross the road. With great nunchi, it feels as though the world is on your side and without it, you might get hit by something you never saw coming. And I know what you're probably thinking, some of you, that it's just another Eastern fad because, you know, we've thrown out half our stuff thanks to Marie Kondo telling us it didn't spark joy. But this is the <laughs> real deal. This is over 5,000 years old. It might be new to us, but it's not new to the Koreans. So Yuni Hong, tell us about what Nunchi is and why it's important. Nunchi is a Korean word that literally translates to eye measure. Uh, in other words, measuring with your eyes. And it is the art of reading a room. So in other words, uh, when you enter a room for the first time or a new situation, new workplace, your job is to not hone in just on the one or two people you know, which most, most of us do, but rather take a snapshot of the room as a whole. 
Now, you talk about some people being born with Nunchi and some having it thrust upon them. Um, your book is called The Power of Nunchi, but you lived in America until you were 12 and yeah. then you landed over in Korea because your family moved there without knowing anything really about Nunchi. So what was that like as a, as a sort of baptism of fire almost into this art of life? Yes, well, I mean, 12 years old is actually really old to be placed in a sudden immersion environment. <laughs> uh, and I didn't speak any Korean at all. And um, there was no sort of transitional class or, or you know, Korean, as, Korean for foreign students. I was immediately just placed in a regular Korean school. And so, the, yeah, I was forced to develop Nunchi despite having none as a child, which my parents were constantly telling me since I was three years old. Uh, and I'm proof that you don't have to be born with it. But you can develop if, if you have to. And I had to because since I did not speak any Korean, the only way that I could learn to survive in school was to use my eyes and my ears uh, in a sense that was beyond language. So, for example, even if you don't understand the language, you can tell if a student is the teacher's pet. Uh, and, you know, and I, you know, and so I would think, OK, this person seems to always be doing the right thing in the teacher's eyes. So this is somebody to mimic. And this is, other person is definitely not someone to mimic. And I learned two very important lessons from this, uh, nunchi-wise. One is, if everyone is doing something, there is usually a really good reason. Um, I mean, I know that, you know, in the West, people like to tell their children, oh, if everyone jumped off a bridge, would you also jump off a bridge? I mean, I understand that logic, but, you know, 99% of the time, if everyone is jumping off the bridge, there's actually a really good reason. I think it's only going to be 1% of the time that they're just being stupid, right? Um, so, and so, so, you know, that goes against, that went against my up Western upbringing, but I realized that, you know, there is some wisdom in crowds. So that was the first lesson of Nunchi. And the second lesson of Nunchi is that if you are silent, all of your questions will probably be answered whether you say something or not. So it's better actually to hold off speaking as long as possible. Because people often underestimate the power of silence in a conversation, that it's actually part of a conversation, don't they? Yes, exactly. I think that most people get really anxious if there's a pause of even a few seconds, you know, and especially it, it, it's sort of the impatience is on both sides. I've definitely been in conversations where somebody said, are you listening? Uni, are you listening? Yeah, and it's it's extremely aggravating when somebody does it to you or when you do it to yourself. Uh, but if you're nervous about being quiet, this is a huge disadvantage that other people can profit from. Um, you know, and that they could actually lead to your own harm or being swindled or just sort of having things not go your way. Whereas if you are able to be quiet, you can gather a lot more objective data quickly and make an accurate assessment about how to behave, what to say or whether to say anything at all. I think a good way to, to talk about Nunchi is to look at people who don't have any. And the person right. who's, who I'm thinking of is someone like Donald Trump. Right. Um, it's hard to avoid thinking about politicians when it comes to people with no Nunchi. And I do think that a lot of them share traits with people who I think of having no Nunchi. One thing that's very consistent with them is 
that if they say something that isn't going well or is offensive, instead of just sort of backing off and moving on and pretending as if nothing happened, they will actually double down, draw more attention to it uh, and make it even worse as if to say, well, I was doing this on purpose. It's completely intentional. And I do see Trump and other politicians engaging in this kind of uh, behavior. For example, <laughs> the announcement or the offer to purchase Greenland. Okay, maybe it was just sort of a, a blip. I mean, all he had to do was just pretend it was a joke or move on or just and let everyone forget about it. But he just drew more attention to it and canceled the diplomatic meeting with Denmark. And uh, that is a vulnerability that people with no ninji have is that they hate more than anything to be laughed at. And yet because of their lack of ninji, they put themselves in a situation where they're even more in danger of being laughed at. Yeah, I mean, people with no nunchi, when we're in meetings with them, um, I'm thinking of some people, uh, I, I won't mention any <laughs> names, that we, they're the people who kind of cause us to eye roll behind their back and go, oh my God, I can't believe what they've just said or how they've misinterpreted what's going on. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? So let's talk about some examples of good nunchi. Because there's a whole chapter about nunchi in the workplace, which I think is very useful for people. How do, right. we, how do we kind of develop our nunchi in, in, at work? Right. Well, at work, uh, because people seem to favor aggressive behavior, everyone is even more inclined to feel that they have to, to say something and say it loudly uh, without realizing that there are many times where this would put you at a disadvantage. So I always suggest when entering a meeting, um, in order to gain sort of an upper hand, information is always power, I recommend bringing treats to every meeting and don't leave it in the middle of the table. Start passing it to somebody on your, to the person on your left and ask them to pass it around. <laughs> uh, and by, by doing this, not only are you sort of bribing them with treats, but it's actually a lot more important than that. The act of passing things around creates a circuit. It's a literal circle. And by doing so, you're forcing everyone to look at the person to their right and to their left, look away from their phone at least once and say thank you or no thank you. And this immediately creates a more amicable vibe, whether people um, or, or re realize it or not. And they're just automatically just going to be more receptive to what it is you have to say, whether it's good news or not. Um, another uh, area in work where people should really improve their nunchi is when they're asking for a promotion or a pay rise or anything that's really important. And of course you should be prepared. Of course you should uh, have evidence that you've been performing well. I'm not saying don't say anything, but you should let the other person talk as much as possible. Um, I've been on both sides of these kinds of requests as somebody who has managed someone asking for a pay rise and as someone who has asked for a pay rise. And I've noticed that the manager in the situation always talks too much. It's sort of automatic. They think, well, I'm the one in the position of authority, so I should be the one talking more. It's quite the opposite. They already hold all the cards. They have the money. They know what the budget is. They really don't have to say anything, but they always say too much. So what I tell people is to, to maximize you know, getting the possibility of getting a pay rise or a promotion, you should use your nunchi, which in this case means let the other person talk as much as possible. And most times they will give away far more than they intend. Um, there's an example in the book that I gave of somebody who asked his boss for a pay rise, and he knew that the boss was a total blabbermouth and could never stop talking. So the per my, my, my the person I'm talking about, my friend, I'll just call him Fred. Um, 
said, I think that I would like, I think I deserve a pay rise. And he was just silent because he's, he's very, very good at Nunchi. And you might think, well, that's a very stupid way to ask for a pay rise. But the fact that that's all he said really threw the boss for a loop. And the boss was really visibly nervous. Now, this is somebody who seems really confident in meetings, but he was being, he was made really nervous by this 23 year old kid because he, the kid wasn't saying anything and the boss is very confused. And so the boss said, is this about the cost of living increase that everyone else got last year? <laughs> so this Fred in this scenario did not even know there had been a cost of living wage increase for everyone else. If he had had bad nunchi, then he would have immediately reacted and said, yeah, why didn't I get that? That 3% pay rise that everyone else got. But if he had spoken too soon, then he would have just gotten the 3% pay rise. But by being silent and saying, well, that's part of it, <laughs> you know, um, he, the, he ended up getting, long story short, the boss ended up spilling, well, he said something like, well, I can't pay you double what you're getting, for example, because then you'd be paying, I'd be, you'd be receiving more than your current manager. So by giving all this information, the boss was accidentally providing the exact range of what the budget was. Yeah. So... I feel that if you are quiet, the other person will always give you all the, they'll basically feed you a script without realizing it. The Irish Times Women's Podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition. Sumptuously smooth, dark chocolate. Is this something, you say people can learn it, but if you've lived all your life without it, I mean, I think some people definitely have it more naturally. Some of the things I was reading in the book, I could feel like, oh, I can relate to that. Is that not just common sense and cop on in a way? Uh, you know, but I suppose it's about emotional intelligence, isn't it? Some people have more of it than others naturally. But you say it can be worked on. Oh, absolutely. I mean, some people have more of it naturally and they're very lucky, but it's kind of like, uh, you know, money or anything else. You can be born with it and that makes things easier. But even if you don't have it from birth, you can develop it uh, because you have your eyes and your ears or at least some senses. And that is all you really need for Nunchi. Um, and I didn't have any at all as a child, but I was able to develop it uh, because I had to. And I think that what's weird about... Um, I don't want to say weird, but I think that the, in the 21st century, a lot of the child rearing philosophy is that the child is not accountable or morally responsible until the age of seven or something like that. This is really not a very Korean idea at all. Um, you know, in Korea, you're responsible for your actions from the age of three. <laughs> and even if you think, well, at age three, how could they possibly understand nunchi or emotional intelligence? And I say, well, you tell them not to run into the street at age three without explaining, you know, the, the physics of how cars work, mm. right? You can, it's never, you can always teach them without their fully understanding the depth of it, mm. right? Just like, and, and what I always say is you can start with table manners, which is a kind of nunchi. And I have friends whose children are either, are somewhere on the autistic spectrum disorder, and they're in therapy for it. And a lot of the things that, that, that they're taught to do in therapy are actually nunchi exercises. 
And there's one example in the book where you talk about a three-year-old in, say, a queue for lunch, a buffet queue. Right. And the three-year-old is complaining and, you know, the kind of Western way it might be like, oh, soothing them, giving them a little snack, you know, trying to right. distract them. But you say a, a good nunchy parent will sort of go, hey, who do you think you are? The centre of the universe. We're all here waiting for our food, making them aware that this is sort of a collective thing, that it's not just them. That they're not the right. only people who exist on the planet, which might sound a bit harsh to some sort of more helicoptery parents. Right, right. I mean, that's actually Nunchi in a nutshell is it's not all about you. There are other people in the world besides you. I was just thinking, though, when I was talking about this to someone earlier, they were saying to me, but it sounds a bit like manipulation, like you're just trying to get the things that you want and you're using kind of all these different skills to do it. But ultimately, if you're using good nunchi, everyone benefits. Is that the the way? Oh, sure. I mean, as with any skill, you can definitely use it for ill purposes. I mean, swindlers, really good con artists are, are have excellent, excellent, excellent nunchi. You know, but it's sort of like, you know, if, if it's learning martial arts or boxing, I mean, of course you could use it to beat somebody you up. Use your powers for bad thing, reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or could you, but it could also make you stronger. And Nunchi is, is, is very powerful. Um, uh, and, and, uh, so you can use Nunchi as with any power, you can use it for good or for ill. Um, but I encourage people to do it because sort of like being part of a hive. And people recoil at this idea because it completely goes against the idea of being autonomous and self-determined. But there's evidence everywhere that you know that you're connected to other people. So if you go to a sporting event, for example, people will start doing the wave or sometimes it's called the Mexican wave, you know, where they stand up and sit down really quickly um, to create the illusion of, of movement. I mean, nobody knows how this started or who starts it or why people go along with it, but it's just sort of proof that we're naturally social creatures. And that's why we need Nunchi. It's not just to make life better, it's to make life survivable. And we've, we're used to these, um, and you, you mentioned it in the book, like Marie Kondo has a lot to answer for. And it's kind of yeah. like there's a lot of these how-to books. But you, you feel like Nunchi clearly is a lot more useful in people's lives, can actually help in a practical sense. Right. I mean, I love Marie Kondo. It's just that it's a lot of work. But what do you do if you're depressed? You don't want to put all of your clothes into the middle of the room and start sorting through them. Um, Whereas with nunchi, uh, Koreans, there's an expression, nunchi is the secret weapon of the disadvantaged. And the reason that they say that is that you can do it whether you're in a really good place in your life or in a completely abject place in your life. Because you can always use your eyes and ears. You can always plug into other people. Uh, You can always put yourself in context so you don't really, you don't feel as alone or as isolated. Um, and you can do that with even if you're terribly, terribly depressed and don't want to wake up in the morning. And you also say, Uni, that the reason, like, say, something like K-pop has been such a huge force um, in pop culture and also even Korean beauty products, those um, successes for Korea are to do with Nunchi. Yes, um, I know it's hard to see the connection, but <laughs> Korea, uh, the reason Nunchi is a Korean word is that... Um, the skill of nunchi arises sometimes by force, and Korea has invaded. They'd like to say they've been invaded eight hundred times, and the only country that's been invaded more times is Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's actually true, but the reason they're proud of being invaded is that this allowed them to develop 
Bergnunchi uh, because they had to, if you, if you have invaders constantly, the Mongols, the Manchus, the Japanese, etc., you are forced to be very aware and keep your eyes and ears open about what will get you in trouble. And because of this skill, South Korea was very well positioned when they decided to develop their export strategy. Now, remember in the 1950s, Korea, South Korea was one of the poorest countries in the entire world. It was poorer than most of South, uh, Sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, now it's one of the wealthiest. And what's the Nunji connection? It's that they were able to use, to eye measure, to measure the global markets with their eyes, to anticipate what the next, next thing was going to be. And they based their export strategy on that. No, it's fascinating that on that level, and there's a lot about it in the book. Finally, we, this is the women's podcast. Can I ask you what Nunchi can do for women and how women particularly can use it in their lives and at work and perhaps in romantic relationships? I think women have a huge inherent Nunchi advantage because we're societally conditioned to listen. And there's no reason to see this as a weakness. I mean, it can be frustrating if people won't hear, listen to you. But you could just turn, you can always use, you can always turn this on its head. And if you listen, you will have more information. Yeah. And you can turn what seems to be weakness into a power. And also, Nunchi is not to be um, confused with empathy because it's a very different thing, isn't it? It's to do with discernment, whereas empathy often allows you to have to think in someone else's shoes and to walk in their shoes. Whereas Nunchi is saying you don't have to be able to walk in someone's shoes to be able to understand what's going on with them. Right. I mean, empathy is important, but I recoil at the word because people always ask women to be more empathetic when, when they really want to say you need to just be more compliant. Nunchi is similar to empathy, but it's, it's not emotional. It's, it's intellectual uh, it's, uh, and, and it's biological. And it's, yeah, you don't have to occupy the mind of the other person. You just have to watch and listen, which is a much more powerful position to be in. And you, empathy can get you in trouble, as, you know, as we all know. Narcissists target empathetic women. Exactly. And abusers. Um, I think in these really busy times where everyone's on their phone, something like Nunchi is coming in at a really lovely time for people in the West where it's it's sort of encouraging them to be more still, be more silent, to watch, observe and use that information for the collective good. Oh, 100%, yes. I mean, if people are getting hit by cars because they can't look away from their phone, they're also definitely not paying attention to anyone. Um, and it's not just rude, it's actually bad for you and you're preventing, you're just handicapping yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, it's been fascinating talking to you. The book is really excellent. Well done on it. It's called The Power of Nunchi by Yuni Hong. And I think it's going to help a lot of people. So well done on bringing it uh, to a much wider audience than just Korea. I hope the Koreans don't mind that you're spreading all of this around. Oh, they'll get over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Yuni Hong. Thank you so much. And that's it for today. Thanks to my guest, Yuni Hong, and a reminder that her brilliant book is called The Power of Noonchi. So get your Noonchi on, everyone. Remember, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Acast and all good podcast apps. If you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast or email us on thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. The Women's Podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, and by Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Until next time, thanks very much for listening. Hold up. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.